What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris and Mark Vandermeer, two days away. Less than 48 Ooh. hours. Ooh. Let less, less, a lot less than 48 hours from 8 a.m. Wednesday when we will take the field and do our first training camp live show and the Texans will practice at 9 o'clock. Mark, cannot, cannot Cannot wait. Well, Johnny, so pumped. The news that broke earlier today, I have to say this that I was a little bit on pins and needles about this. Not that I doubted it would happen. Just because it was getting close to the time frame. Getting close to deadline time. Yes, deadline time. And once you had one and three done, you Mm -hmm. figure, well, you're right in the middle of two, and there's only so much you can do. And they did so much, but there's only so much you can do. It's got to happen, right? But the longer it takes, the more you start to worry. And maybe. Maybe I've gotten a little paranoid over the years. You know, I've been in this business a while. <laughs> yeah, a little lived bit. through the last three years. You just never know until you know. Right. And you're wondering. But now that this is done, it is go time. And I had Kevin Kugler and Andy Kalu in here today mm-hmm. doing a preseason little warm-up, little meeting TV-wise. Yeah. Andy Kalu is going to be our television color commentator. It's going to be awesome. Yes. And uh, Drew Doherty on the sideline. I know you'll chime in on the broadcast as well, on the television side as well as the radio side. Can't wait for all of it. And I'm just so fired up right now. I mean, this is it. Let's go. It's football season. Well, if you're wondering why Mark is so fired up, first of all, he's very, very fired up about Aditi Kinkabwala. She is going to join DB Sudo a little Always. later in the show. And she is on the sidelines for our first game at Baltimore. Perfect. So good to hang out with Didi again. Uh, who we hung out with at the Combine, who is just super awesome what she does and just a wonderful human being. We're also going to hang out with a goat tonight, who you'll hear from in just a little bit. We've got some news that happened in Buffalo. Oh, my goodness. Oh, now, I don't awful. know if it happened in Buffalo. But the news about Naeem Hines, we'll get into that a little bit later. But the news Mark is referring to, according to every single NFL analyst and his sources, C.J. Stroud and the Texans have agreed to terms on the four-year rookie contract. Keep in mind, first-rounders, there's a fifth-year team option, uh, $36.3 million. He gets the signing bonus of $23 million. Can you imagine that? I've thought about this. I think it was Dante DiVincenzo posted a picture of his Wells Fargo account before he got his first contract. It had $3.71 in it. Which is like a college kid, yeah, for the most part. Sure, sure. Three dollars and seventy-one cents, and then he got his rookie contract, and the signing bonus went in there. It was like, oh my god, that's what CJ's banking. <laughs> it's it just blew up. Like, I don't know what it was before. All, right, stop. But all of a sudden, it's going to be bang. I can feel wow. people's Ohio State jokes rolling in right now. Yeah, well, okay, he took a pay cut, all that kind of. And stuff. And by the way, three dollars and seventy plus cents in college. Hey, you're in the red right there. Uh, you're feeling good about that. Or in that. the black, rather. Yeah, you're because fe- I mean, it's not in the red. I was used to being in the red. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. Overdrawn oh, yeah. again. again. What am I going to do this I time? Mean, back, back in that day, you could fl- – all right, man, I need to get these groceries. Let me just write a check for this. I got three days oh, yeah. before money will go in. Oh, I'll yeah, the okay. check kiting? Oh, I perfected terrible. that. It was terrible going on. Now, I will say, luckily enough, thanks to Amico Pipeline, I had a lot of money in my pocket when I was in college, but not much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, just the thought of having CJ back in the – I mean, I should say back in the fold. He never left, but just having this done, I know you mentioned a little bit you got a little antsy just because – Okay, there's a deadline coming up. I mean, we've got all this momentum. That was the one thing that popped in my head, Mark. We've got all this momentum. We've got it all going in the right direction. What could derail that? Injuries or a contract. And to have CJ's contract done, I, it's, it's fantastic. Now, there might be some news about 
guys that go on the uh, initial pup list and all that kind of stuff. But to have, you know, the guy you drafted number two overall, to have that all behind you. And the one thing I kept thinking about, CJ waited until the last couple of hours to make his declaration for the NFL draft. Remember that? That was very, oh, yeah. very late in the process. You're right. It was like 4 p.m. on uh, January 15th, I think, and it was submitted like 2 p.m. So, and he may have in his mind already committed. He just didn't put the official paperwork in. So they get this done late. <laughs> I hope that's not his career. I hope his career isn't like that. I hope it's a lot sooner than I later. I don't mind but, a late touchdown pass yeah. for the win, though. Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind that whatsoever. But I'm just glad, Mark, that it's done. It's behind us. There's no, hey, Will's in camp. CJ's in camp. Everybody's in camp that needs to be. We're good. Let's yeah. roll. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I got to credit you because you were calm all the way throughout. I texted you about this late last week, and you said, don't worry, Nick will get it done. Yeah. It's going to happen. And you were very calm. And maybe I need to rare. be calmer. We're going to see CJ Stroud out there on the field, Johnny, doing his thing. He cannot afford to miss one rep. He knows that. His agent knows that. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, every rookie has got to get their full complement, and let's roll. Let's see where it takes us. First practice Wednesday, go from there. Okay, scale of 1 to 10. How excited do you think the fans are to see CJ on, on Wednesday? Well, the fans you, won't be at practice. Talk, okay, when the fans go to practice. When they're listening when the fans, to us. When the fans are going to practice mm -hmm. for the very first time, What's the excitement level? If you asked every fan going in, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? And you went down, what would they say? Uh, they're they're going to be roaring. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a roar. D'Amico, yeah. CJ, everybody. Will. Tank, yeah. Will, all the new the players. The first time CJ and Tank hook up, it's, oh, it's, it's going to be, be electric. a full-on love fest. Look, it was exciting the last couple of years. David Culley did a good job talking with the crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, Lovey Smith, same thing. People were excited. It's training camp. You have the promise of a new season. But this season, there's something extra here. And look, 1967 is known as the summer of love, right? Mm -hmm. This has been the offseason of love for the Houston Texans with D'Amico's hiring, everything that happened around the draft. So it's only fitting that you get CJ in the flow right before camp. Yep. Let's go. He's not going to miss a second of Texans instruction here by this coaching staff. And everybody's ready to go here. This is really fun. We'll see what happens two weeks from Thursday. That's when they play, Johnny. Two weeks from Thursday night, we have a wow. game. Wow. Two weeks from Thursday. Two weeks from Wednesday, we're on a plane flying to New England. Take on the New England Patriots with Bill Belichick on the sideline. This is awesome. Do I get to visit the Brown University, too, out of this? Uh, you will, I because so. I think we'll be near Providence oh. at some point, so maybe you can go to Brown. Maybe I don't go know if for the, I will. Maybe go for the day, experience, walked all my classes again, which I hated, the engineering classes that I couldn't stand. I'm going to go see the John Harris statue at Brown. No, no, Where do I no find statue. that? There's no? no statue whatsoever. My number is retired. Um, at Brown, nobody will ever wear number 24 again. But it wasn't for me. It was, it was, <laughs> was, for, it was for Sean Maury, who came later and played for the Steelers on their, on their championship oh, yeah. teams. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your numbers retired. Yeah, there are no numbers retired here in this building, but there are two members right now of the Ring of Honor, a third coming in October. The first Ring of Honor member was a guy named Andre Johnson. We, well, we refer to him as the GOAT. He sat down with Mark Vandermeer. And talked about anything and everything about this team, the past, everything with Andre Johnson, the GOAT, right here. Dre, welcome. This time of year, how does it feel to you with teams starting up again? Do you feel that itch again? I know it's been a few years, but it's got to still be in your system. Yeah, um, it's definitely something you look forward to. Because, you know, for me, I'm a big sports guy, so it's not really um, much to watch on TV. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I see... Uh, 
a few guys in the gym, um, Darius Slay, mm-hmm. um, Kiki, um, QT, um, a couple other guys that train at the same gym I train at. So, um, I, you know, I tell them when I'm in there, I'm like, y'all need to hurry up and go back to work, yeah. you know, to give me something to watch. So uh, it's always a good time, you know, once the summer kicks in, July kicks in, you know, it's, it's you know, about that time for football. So it's an exciting time. Your thoughts on D'Amico's first camp? I know you're out here for OTAs a mm-hmm. bit, but now we got the real deal training camp starting up with your former teammate as head coach. Um, I, I think everybody's excited. Um, you know, I hear uh, just from just being around uh, in the city of Houston, just hearing people talk about it, the excitement. I think everybody's, you know, the the football has become a, you know, a popular thing here again. I mean, just the Texans in general. So uh, everybody's excited about it. I th- actually think, um, you know, we have a great chance at uh, accomplishing some great things in his first year, you know, as an organization. And um, I would just tell people don't be surprised. Andre, what about the offense? Because you were here with Capers, and then you transition into the Kubiak offense. What are some of the challenges in learning that system? I know it's not exactly the same thing here, but there are some similarities, of course, with Bobby Slowick. Your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think the biggest thing is, like, even when, you know, you come out to the OTA practices, um, everything was very detailed. Um, and that's something that, you know, in both offenses, even when in Kubiak's offense, it was – very detailed and you know you have to as a player you have to understand you know the whole system and not just you know as a receiver you can't just worry about the pass plays you know uh, things have to look the same you know on run plays and pass plays you know because you may have releases on certain play action plays that may look like a run and you know you run a play action as a pass play so you can fool defenses and things like that but uh I think the details is the big part, and I think as long as the guys pay attention to the details and um, what they have to do, you know, everything will, will work out. What do you think of this crew so far with Nico Collins? You have Robert Woods joining Tank Dell's a rookie, other guys as well. Uh, definitely a great group. Um, I'm excited um, to see, uh, you know, for the season and see how they perform. Um, even just training camp, you know, just mm-hmm. to come out and, watch them work and uh, watch them prepare, you know, to get ready for this upcoming season. So uh, I think it's a great group of guys, a great group of receivers. Um, you know, just excited about it, man. It's a, it's a fun time, and uh, I can't wait for it to get started. We'll see how they do things at quarterback, but C.J. Stroud is here, a rookie. You yeah. were around De- uh, David Carr in year two. You were around T.J. Yates in 2011, rookie getting right. his first starts late in the season, started the playoff game against the Bengals. What about a rookie quarterback getting used to this system or getting used to the NFL in general? What do we expect here if it's going to be CJ? I think, um, you know, you have to get him out there and let him play. Um, I mean, that's the way you learn, you know, by playing. Uh, Just trying to get him as many reps as possible. Um, You know, at the same time, you know, you do want to keep him healthy Mm -hmm. getting into the season. But I think you know, when you you look at rookies and, you know, when they come in, I think that's the biggest thing is just trying to get them acclimated, you know, getting them as many reps as you, as you can so that when they do get on the field, I mean, just by the way the rookie comes in and the way he works, um, 
the veteran guys are going to rally around him anyway. So, uh, and I and you know with CJ, I, I feel like you know he's a guy who you know he comes in, does his does his work, and you know he uh, you know not a big head guy. You know seems to be uh, very calm from the time I've spent around him. Um, a, a leader, and uh, the, you know the guys will rally around him, and um, you know just m- make sure that they're stepping up their game to make sure that he goes out and you know plays plays well. When you have a back like Damian Pierce, does that fire up the whole team? Seeing the way he handles his business, breaking tackles, playing so tough that way. Yeah, he's a uh, Damian is very exciting to watch, man. Um, the way he runs the ball, like you know, it's, it's almost like a battling round. Like he's just, you'll see him, and it looks like he's going down, and all of a sudden, you know, he's coming out, you know, breaking three or four tackles. So, uh, I think you know that's that's a a great weapon to have um, when you can run the ball, and then having a guy like that that can, you know, break tackles and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, it's it's a, he's an exciting guy to watch. I'm very uh, excited to see how he does again this year. All right, back to the rookies, because your debut game was in Miami, 2003. You played high school ball there, college ball there, and there you are playing your pro debut against the Dolphins when they were extremely tough to beat in September there. What do you remember about that game, about that debut, Andre? Um, <laughs> I remember uh, reading, um, not a big newspaper reader, but uh, I remember reading a newspaper um, and some they wrote something in a column about you know it being a uh, scrimmage game for the Dolphins, mm. and um, you know so I just kind of laughed at it or whatever. But I knew um, you know I was a huge Dolphin fan growing up, so right. I knew how tough the defense was. You know with Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, you know that Patrick Sertain. Sam they had Madison. Just got Sam Madison. They had just got Junior Seau. You know, um, Bunny Holiday. They had a lot of great players um, on that defense. So I know it would be tough, but um, you know, we went in there and just you know we played and fought, and you know it came down. We hung. They let us hang around, and we mm-hmm. hung around, and we eventually beat them. So um, that was a, that was one of like the the best feelings especially to kick off your NFL career to go home and beat your hometown team. So it was a lot of fun. What would your message to this rookie class be as they embark on their first camp? And everyone wants to put it all out there in these preseason games probably because that's really their first NFL action. But Mm -hmm. the games that count are coming up in September and handling the whole situation. What would you say to them? Just, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Uh, just go out and play, uh, it's uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's still football. You just moved up another level, um, you know. So every everything counts, um, you know. But just keep your head down, come in every day, work work your butt off, and um, you know, just pay attention to details and just try to learn as much as you can day in and day out. Um, I think if they do that, they'll be fine. I think sometimes people put so much pressure on themselves. Um, you know, just playing a game, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you know, it's it's still a game, but, you know, it's a, it's a lot of other things, that's, things that are going on in this world that are way much more serious than what, you know, we go through on that football field. So, 
Um, I would just say just approach it that way. You know, everybody wants to win. There's no doubt in my mind. All of them are very competitive and want to win. But um, I think if you just have the approach of just busting your butt every day, because what you put in is what you're going to get out of it. So uh, that was the way I approached it. I just came in and worked my butt off every day so that I can go out and perform well on Sunday. Didn't you and Jabbar Gaffney share a room? Were you guys roommates on the road or something yeah, like that? Rookie. My rookie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and before that initial game, yeah. the Canes played the Gators Saturday night. You couldn't really go to the game, right? So you're watching yeah, it on the yeah. TV with so, Jabbar? <laughs> yeah, so we uh, – our plan was to try to figure out a way to get to the game. <laughs> and uh, we couldn't because of uh, – we couldn't go because we had meetings that evening, mm-hmm. and it was a night game. So um, – so we sat in the room, we watched the game, and, uh, I mean, they jumped out on us pretty big in the beginning. And I remember sitting in the um, room, and I told Jabbar, I was like, if we score this drive, you know this game is over, right? And he just kind of looked at me like I was crazy. And we ended up scoring, and then all of a sudden, it was just like the whole momentum of the game swung, and we mm-hmm. uh, ended up coming back winning. That is nice. Well, what do you think of getting – company on the ring of honor so jj watt goes in it's so Mm. far you and mr mcnair now you get watt into the flow um it's awesome man uh very deserving um what this what what jj did here for this organization um and the time he was here was amazing uh great player great friend um you know he actually just texted me last week um we talked a little bit um for my birthday um you know, just just a great all around person, um, great teammate, and uh, you know I'm I'm excited, man, to see him come back. I know it'll be the stadium will be rocking. Everybody will be excited to see him back here. So uh, it's awesome, man. I'm very happy for him, and uh, you know I can't wait for that day. You know, just to uh, experience it and you know see him get his get his jacket to go in the ring of honor. It's going to be fun against Pittsburgh this year. All right, one more for you. You mentioned going to the gym, NFL guys work out there. What kind of shape are you in right now versus playing <laughs> days? Because I know you work out a lot, yeah. so what's the difference there? Um, I mean, I mean, I'm actually probably in the best shape I've ever been in um, as far as outside of football. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, – Nothing uh, like football shape? Nah, football <laughs> shape's a little different. Um, I, I still do some of the um, football workouts, but, you know, it's a little modified. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, but some days I may come in and I just may just do exactly what they're doing. Right. But it's not an everyday thing for me. Um, it just depends on what it is that they're doing. But um, right now I'm in the base, best shape I've been in since I retired. So, um been running some 400s, 200s. You know, I haven't done that in in a while, but um, just body's feeling good. Um, no, I'm not trying to come back and play. <laughs> I okay. mean, I get that question every day, like yeah. just walking around. Because so. you look like you could. Yeah. How many snaps could you give us? A few? Right now, um, about 10. All right, that's good. Well, <laughs> and, and the next week might be tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Taking some hits. All right, update us on how your daughter is doing other than trying to take my job in about eight years. Yeah, she's doing great. Um, She's cheering um, in middle school, at her middle school. 
she's but other than that, she's just pretty much home relaxing. She gets up and get her little workouts in. She's uh she's big on doing the stairmaster and uh getting on the Peloton bike. So uh, is she running now? Because you were telling me if she decided uh, to commit to that, it would be all over. Yeah, if she <laughs> if she decided to commit to running track, she'll be she'll be very she'll be a stud out there on the track. But uh, she still hasn't given in to it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, she's going to eighth grade, so I'm hope, hoping I can get her into it by high school. So, uh, but I'm I think she's kind of. Heading that way a little bit because now she's, you know, she's wanting to work out and do stuff like that. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping it happens. I think she can have her own talk show someday, too. So there's <laughs> that. Andre, thanks a lot for joining us. I appreciate you. The GOAT, Andre Johnson. I uh, missed that interview. Very sad. I always am sad when I miss the GOAT, Andre Johnson. Love talking to Dre, but glad Mark had a chance to catch up with him. One of my... Other new faves, well, Dre's not a new fave. He's been a fave for a long time. But one of my new favorites is Aditi Kinkwabala. She will be on the sidelines for our game against the Ravens week one. That was just announced today, but DP City had a chance to catch up with Aditi. That's next right here on Texans All Access. Say it with me, folks, Aditi Kinkwabala. I think I said it right. She's unbelievable. She's been with NFL Networks, now with CBS Sports. She's going to be on the sidelines for our first game against the Baltimore Ravens. She does a great job. We got a chance to really meet her and know her at the Combine and shuck up a friendship with her. And D.P. Sidhu, in particular, had a chance to catch up with her and talk about everything going on in the NFL right here. Joining me today, my good friend, Aditi Kinkabwala. I haven't caught up with her in many, many months. She's done 10 years with the NFL Network. She's now heading into her second season with CBS. Aditi, first of all, how have you been? I saw you at the Combine. What's your off-season been like? Well, I certainly wasn't in Jordan and in Japan. <laughs> so I don't know if I can quite compete with any of that. I Where, where did we go? We went to upstate New York and rode horses. Oh, fun. Okay. We up by a rooster and got fresh eggs <laughs> from chickens. We did that. Yeah, my kids aren't ready for the. Your kids home. are little. I've been there. I've been there. Trust me. You'll be you'll be traveling. <laughs> but, uh, the world and they're also you know too it. little to ditch. I mean, that was incredible that you ditched them too. <laughs> In when they get older, when they're teenagers, you'll see they don't mind. They don't mind when you ditch them for a trip here and there. They love it. No, I'm ready for the season. You know what? It's been a really, really fast summer. But when you love what you do, you're just like ready to get at it. Yeah, I know. And, and you're heading into another season with CBS, so. What can you expect for yourself this year? I know you covered a number of Texans games last year. You sort of bounce around all over the place, but you know, what have you made of the upcoming schedule? I think it's really weird that I can no longer predict what's a CBS game and what's a Fox game. I don't know right. if that affects you at all. No, it totally does. And it's weird, you know, as a viewer, it was so easy. Like, okay, there's an AFC game in my market. I know I'm turning the CBS. I know Fox. This is, that was kind of the biggest change for me last season when I went to CBS. So when I was a beat reporter, I basically knew what my entire season looked like because I had one team. Then when I was at the NFL network for 10 years, we were largely regionalized. And because I live in Pittsburgh, I knew that I was always going to have a Steelers home game, that we were going to cover Steelers home games. So I pretty much could tell you when the schedule came out, where I would be. Now, maybe there would be some surprises. I remember a few years ago, the Bengals were better than expected. I had more Bengals games that I hadn't foreseen, but whatever, you kind of had an idea. Last year at CBS, 
I found out basically three weeks at a time, like, okay, or maybe two weeks at a time. Really? Sometimes. Yeah. I remember in fact, week seven, I found out that I would have the Texans and Colts on Wednesday before I was getting, not the Texans, sorry, the Colts at the Titans. I found that out on Wednesday that I was going to be flying to Nashville on Friday. So definitely different, but it keeps you on your toes. It makes the studying, it reminds me what it's like to cram. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because I was going to ask you, what does the week look like then for you? Like if you find out so late that you're heading to a game, you got to do all of your prep. Do you focus on one team, the home, the team, you know, the home team? Do you focus on the other team? Like oh, both. you get both. so much great information from those production meetings, but it's almost like you got to know which questions to ask too, oh, right? Oh, for sure. Definitely. And let me be clear. It's not like that was a, that's a normal occurrence that you only have two days notice. That was just sort of something that happened. And CBS is really great about giving us that notice. It's nice. It's funny. I remember talking. So when we started the season last year, I was with two different crews last year. When we started, um, we had the Browns the first two weeks of the season. So we had the Browns at the Panthers week one. This is when I was with Spiro Didis and Jay Feely. And that was, of course, Baker Mayfield making his debut with the Panthers facing his old team. And then the second week, we had the Jets at the Browns, which was this tremendous game also. So the first game, Cade York won on a game-winning field goal, a last-second field goal. Mm-hmm. And the second game, Joe Flacco led two touchdown drives in the last two minutes in Cleveland. But anyway... For me, it was sort of nice to have the same team twice because there's some memory, some muscle memory. There's some storytelling that you can build off of. There's something you can use from the week before. But as we got later in the season, and I'll use the Texans as an example, or even the Jaguars, no offense to anybody, we ended up having a lot of the Texans and a lot of the Jaguars. And I know that the analysts are just sort of like, okay, we keep having the same guys. It would be nice to talk about different people. Whereas I loved it because it was like, all right, <laughs> I know them all. And I like, no. yeah. And I can make a comparison. What was Trevor Lawrence like when I saw him week four in Philadelphia? Sure and week five versus the Texans versus when I saw him later in the season, week nine, let's call it week eight or nine. And how has he changed? How has he grown? And how can I use that in a report that, Hey, early in the season, we saw him immediately coming off the bench and uh, coming off the field, sitting on the bench and talking to his quarterbacks coach. And now we see him actually talking to his wide receivers or going up and down the bench and rallying guys. And, you see that growth. It's hard to do that when you're constantly with different teams. So right. it's a very long way of saying, you know, there's a silver lining to everything, I guess. Well, I feel like you get such great nuggets, even if you do bounce around a lot. I know when the Texans played the Dolphins, you had um, a story that went sort of viral. You talked about Mike McDaniel cutting up 700 plays for Tua Tungavailoa because his confidence was down. And I felt like I saw that story everywhere. So what's your trick? I mean, you're not spending a lot. We are different as a team reporter. I'm with the team all the time. They get to know me. But to get that sort of insight with a team that maybe you're only covering for that week, like... What's your secret to sort of getting those stories that people find so fascinating? 
I mean, I think part of it is getting old in the business, right? Like it's about your experience. Perfect. I'm on my way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, the, the roots of that story are actually in a conversation that I had with Juju Smith-Schuster probably five years ago in the Steelers locker room. And Juju is of Samoan descent. I am, as you are, of Indian descent. And Juju and I somehow randomly started having this conversation about our cultures that we grew up in and the way that you always have respect for authority figures and how you always have to take care of your elders. You know, Juju was telling me how both of his grandmothers lived with him and people wouldn't believe it, but he's changed his grandmother's diapers. And it is our obligation as young people in an Indian culture to take care of our elders as well. Mm -hmm. Juju talked about how everything is about pleasing your parents and how you go in a shell when you think that your parents are upset with you. And just all of these things that we talked about, it was like, oh, you're Samoan, I'm Indian, but there's so many commonalities. Commonalities, yeah. Okay, so that like stuck in the back of my head, right? Just as like a million other things stick in the back of your head. So fast forward and I meet Tua before the Dolphins are in Detroit, which I believe is week eight, week seven. I don't even remember anymore. But anyway, mm-hmm. the Dolphins were in Detroit. And yeah, that was week eight. So the Dolphins were in Detroit. Maybe it was week nine. I hate this. Why don't I have like- It was somewhere in the middle of the season. season. I get you. Okay. The Dolphins are in Detroit. <laughs> I meet Tua for the first time. And- Some of what he's saying, some of what he's saying is kind of triggering a few things in my head about confidence and rebuilding his confidence and Mike McDaniel. And now again, Mike McDaniel, I've known forever. I've known since he was an assistant coach in Washington and Mike is a very sort of quirky guy, but Mike is a guy that very much believes in coaching up in encouraging. He attacks coaching from a very different position than a lot of sort of old school coaches that we grew up with. So I asked you a couple questions in that production meeting about his conversation with Mike, his initial conversations with Mike McDaniel, when Mike was speaking to him about what he thought Tua could do for him. And Tua responded very honestly to one question. And I remember I had said to him something about like, okay, so when Mike McDaniel is telling you in this very famous call from the plane or whatever, that I think you can be this, this, and this, what are you thinking? Because we all knew that Tua had had such a rough year the previous rough year, year before mm-hmm. for Brian Flores and all that. And he said, sure, it sounded great, but you know, like I've heard all this stuff before too. So I was like, all right, let's see. And right then it was like, okay, Tua is going to be honest with me. This is a guy that I can talk to, but you can't necessarily push the first time. You can't necessarily go for everything the first time. <laughs> what else? Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fast forward a few weeks. And now, you know, I think it's week 13, it's Thanksgiving and we're in Miami and I won't like waste the time of everybody because obviously the Texans don't care as much about the inner workings of uh, the Dolphins, but I was able to ask Mike a few questions that sort of made me think, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and ask Tua about this about Mike working so hard to rebuild his confidence. And it was Tua. Tua was honest. Tua gave it to me. Oh, he gave it to you. Okay. And so I felt confident enough to say to him, hey, did you ever question if you could really do this? And VP, when I tell you this, I was able to ask him that because I've been through that. Like the way that Tua is sitting here and talking about 
how much it hurt to not have his leader, his coach, his authority figure think that he could do it. Well, heck, I felt that way when I thought that my dad didn't think I could do math, you know, like, <laughs> just finding that commonality. Yeah. And when, you know, like when I've been in jobs where I haven't gotten certain positions and I've been like, oh my God, am I Your confidence is shot. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Like, mm-hmm. I think I can do this TV thing, but I'm not sure I can do this TV thing. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask Tua. And Tua told me, sure, I quite, I, I mean, he was great. He said, oh yeah, I looked in the mirror and I asked myself, do I suck? And it was like, oh my God. So then it I just blew up. up. And then it I mean, talking. that's no, I mean, people have interviewed Tua, people have talked to Tua, they've done stories on McDaniel, but you're the one that got that that scoop. And it was a fantastic one. And that's just like one example of some of the stories you get. I've worked a few sidelines, but what to you is like the most stressful part about working a sideline throughout? Because you can do all this prep, but you know, sometimes a game you think is going to go one way goes another way. Like, for you, what is the most stressful thing that could happen to you I'll while working this a game? Out because I literally just showed this to somebody. So my very first okay. sideline, well, actually last year um, and this year I will do it again. The Browns hired me to be their preseason sideline reporter. Yes. Yeah. The preseason is completely different because it's a lot of storytelling. It's guys that, you know, it's a lot of players that are not going to make the team. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And you're only doing one team. So it's very different. But so my very first sideline week one last year, Carolina, these are the notes I took. Okay. It's this, these are stories. They're like, like me, like, prepared, like writing. Yes. Pages and pages. Baker, new offense. I have all of this on CMC. If CMC said, does anything, how he cold called <laughs> Marshall Falk, how he lowered the volume of his work. So, and I could keep going. Okay. So these are all notes. Yeah. So yeah. Before I even get into the game, all of these prepared stories. Now let's go to the end of the season. And this is literally what I went into a game with chicken scratches. These are the notes that I made during the game. And then something that I can't even read. (laughs) And so Uh what I learned as I went in, of course, I try to have some stories. If Tua does something, I'm going to pull out how Mike McDaniel helped rebuild Tua. If I see Mike McDaniel and Tua talking to each other, I'm going to pull something out. If I see CMC have a great run, then I'm going to talk about how Christian McCaffrey changed the way that he approaches his training in the off season. But what I learned as the season went on is that the most valuable thing I can offer on the sideline is what is fresh that nobody else can see. Because my analyst up there can break down a play, but he's not necessarily seeing the conversation that happened before the play. I am. He's not. So are you like eavesdrop? Because do you, I I mean, you you can't really eavesdrop on conversations that are happening. You can read body language sometimes. And you are not, you're not legally allowed to repeat verbatim what someone is saying to somebody else. I'm certainly not going to say if the defensive coordinator is gathering his team and saying, we need to blitz more. Now we got to do this. Sure. But I can say the whole team gathered. You're looking for something that's a little bit unusual. You know, I'm thinking of the playoffs last year, the Dolphins were at the Bills and um, Jalen Waddell dropped some early passes and he immediately came to the sideline and had Skylar Thompson throwing to him in front of the bench. He's like, I need you to throw to me. I need you to do this. And, you know, so like, those are things that are interesting that people 
uh, at home are maybe not necessarily they can't see that there's not yeah. a camera there and your analyst and your play-by-play guy are focusing on the defense on the field or you know whatever's going on so you can give a little context to that I had a monsoon game I wish I was thinking of Texans examples right now yes but, you did have you had um, some crazy weather last year yeah, well the Texans, so the Texans had, did too I don't know if it was the same game well, I had an Eagles Jaguars game week four, which was an absolute monsoon rain the whole uh-huh. entire time, which is funny. I just saw Miles Sanders, who's now with the Panthers, but had a monster game that year. I just saw him this weekend and we were joking about how much rain that was. And we'd never been like our stuff smashed. Yeah. <laughs> <Forever>. yeah. <laughs> so like in that game, you're looking for who's like huddling around the heaters. How are guys, like it's Trevor Lawrence. How are guys responding? Ponytail. Yeah. Yeah. The Texans, what do I worry about? There was allegedly last year, there was a game where Jerry Hughes may or may not have thrown a water cooler. And I was over on the other side. Oh, yes, I remember that. My Mm -hmm. producer was like, hey, did you see Jerry Hughes throw a water cooler? And I was like, no, I'm on the other sideline. It was early in a game. And I can't, I'm I'm drawing a total blank. It was late in the season. It was late in the season. He tossed it. Yeah. Yeah. Was Was it the Titans game? No, maybe no. it was, uh, I don't know. Cause I missed it. That's you were there. Point. Well, you were there. It was one of the, the, there, the few games it. that you did. Yeah. Yeah. But I missed it. So anyway, it was just one of those, like, well, what do you do at that point? Right? Like you mm. do the best that you can, you hustle to try to get the injuries. You try to pay attention to what you can, if you miss something, you, you know, the Texans have a tremendous PR guy in Everett. So I'll often go to him and be like, Hey, did anything happen here? Or what's going on? Um, he just, you just don't want to miss your eyes have to be everywhere. I mean, I, I can see that being super stressful. Yeah. You get to be eyes where the viewer, the fan doesn't get to be. So you want to do that spot justice. Yeah. I know you don't know right now whether you'll have any Texans games, but just like looking at the off season they've had, I know you and I chatted about D'Amico Ryan's maybe several months ago, maybe it was after the combine. combine we, I think we did. Yeah. Oh, at the combine we did. We chat about him at the combine. So, like nationally, what are you hearing about the Texans? The buzz surrounding the team. I mean, they the draft was insane, getting CJ Stroud and then trading up to get Willie Anderson. But you know, I know everyone in Houston's really pumped about it. What do you what do you hear about the Texans nationally? So I feel like, and I've said this to you before, there's a tremendous young core. You've got a lot of really, really talented young players that are on their first contracts, which is wonderful. You've infused the team with even more young talent. And these are guys that have energy and fire and don't necessarily know that there's been a spell of kind of losing, right? Mm. You know, a city may say that, well, we've had a few bad years or we've had some apathetic years. These guys don't know that. Will Anderson doesn't care about that. Well, they've come from winning programs too. So they don't really- in there to do some damage. A guy like Damian Pierce brings so much juice, but I'll tell you what I really like. I remember week 13 last year was when Deshaun Watson was making his debut. He was going to do it in the city that had been his home that, you know, he had, or or still is a home. He still has a house there, frankly. There was all this sort of pre-game anxiety as a broadcast network or as reporters, what is going to happen? What are we going Mm -hmm. to have to report on? Are there going to be protests in the stands? Are there going to be profane signage? What is there going to be something happening outside of the stadium? Um, And it was, you were there. It was was. as ordinary of a game 
<laughs> I mean, I didn't see a single profane sign. I know that Tony Busby was allegedly there. Um, there was a lot of talk of, yeah, what could or couldn't happen. The game of, of I mean, we were also very, yeah, we were also sort of nervously awaiting to see what might happen. Right. But I think it was also the end of the season. So fans were sort of tired and, that, and apathetic. Did you so say? My, yeah, my takeaway from that was not that like people didn't care about whatever the greater statement or Deshaun Watson or this or that, it just felt like it was an apathetic fan base at that moment. Yeah. And I think it's fair. I mean, you're asking fans to, to buy into a team that hasn't really given you much. Okay. So now let's go to today. It sure as heck doesn't feel like an apathetic fan base. You've got D'Amico Ryans. who has got people so energized, so excited yeah. simply by force of his personality and by memory of who he was as a player in the city. And then mm-hmm. at least CJ Stroud talking about the way fans are greeting him and like the excitement he's getting from fans and the energy. So I feel that alone is such a boost. Why else do we th- talk about the 13th man? Why else do we talk about home field advantage? It's because fans can give a team some energy, some excitement, some juice. And if Texans fans right now are doing that, then that's a win right there. Those two are fantastic. Hopefully we'll get more of a DD, especially going into week one against Baltimore. All right, we get back. Oh, tough news for the Buffalo Bills. We'll discuss that around the NFL. Texans All Access next. Let's go. We got one final segment of this edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. So glad to be with you. Let's go around the NFL. Probably the biggest story of the NFL. Two injuries. One, it looks like, is going to not be a bad one for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. C.J. Gardner-Johnson up with Detroit. Signed a big contract with them, leaving the Philadelphia Eagles. He left practice with knee injury. No tears, everything good. Sigh of relief for the Detroit Lions. Where there's not a sigh of relief is in Buffalo, New York. Where the Buffalo Bills, one day, two days before the Bills report, Naeem Hines, one of their X-Factors, uh, pass-catching weapon out of the backfield. We've seen Naeem for a, a long time uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. He was always a killer for the Texans. Went up to Buffalo I had a game with two returns last year. I mean, the guy was just incredible for them. They were looking forward to having a big year. He was on a jet ski, and someone on another jet ski ran into him, and it's a leg injury that is significant. Now, I had heard about – this was probably two minutes before I went on uh, my buddy Sal Capaccio's radio station in Buffalo, and so I happened to see this, and the, the air was literally taken out of – both Joe and Sal, and I was talking to them, and and for good reason. Naeem Hines is one of those dudes that Buffalo is relying on. You put him with James Cook. You know, they're not big, bulky ball carriers, but, man, they can do stuff out in space and really make things tough and would have made life a lot easier for Josh Allen. But they didn't know how he injured the leg. Just knew it was significant, significant knee injury. Then you find out a little bit later, I think it was Tom Pelissero who put out there that he was hit by a jet ski well, he was just on another jet ski, and you just, you know, you hate that. Guys just getting away, trying to get a few minutes peace before they have to get into this chaos. That's the season, and then that happens. Such tough news for the Buffalo Bills. They signed Darrington Evans, former Titan draft pick, to replace Naeem Hines. That's a tough one right there. All right, a big thanks to Mark, to Andre Johnson, D.D. Kinkawala, to D.P. Sidhu, to all of you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, one day away, baby. That's right. And as always, go Texans.